This episode of Kicks and Bricks is brought to you by The Den Consulting Agency. The Den is a marketing agency that works directly with firms and provides them with innovative, distinct strategies that will take your projects to the next level. Drive your business and promote your products with The Den today. Consulting, that's what we want, baby. You can find them online at thedenconsulting.com and by phone at 646-770-2507. Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by Kings. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face! Kevin Durant way outside, delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown, it's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe, good ride Kobe, underneath, puts his nose on the line again, makes the basket, he's fouled. Oh, what a play! And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front, says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break, Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. Welcome back to Kicks and Bricks. Today we have East Baltimore's finest, one of the greatest players in the Hornets franchise history, Muggsy Bowles. What's up, Muggsy? How you doing? What's up, Chief? Appreciate you having me. Man, thanks for coming on, man. So like uh, so like you grew up in Baltimore. Like, what was it like growing up in Baltimore during that time? Well, you know, growing up in Bmore, man, was you know, it was challenging. You know, it, it was an atmosphere where a lot of things was going on outside your, your household, uh, in the neighborhood, violence. But at the same time, you know, a short guy like me was trying to pursue the game. Still, not many people believing in that at that time. So I had to fight my way through and, and navigate and let folks know that, you know, a kid like me belong. You know, Baltimore, they have some pretty famous parks. They have um, Lafayette Park. Um, yeah. I think the dome is still there. The last time I went there, it was still there. I'm not sure if it's still there. Yeah, the dome's still there. Um, and other like popular basketball environments, like which court, in your opinion, was like the toughest to play on? Well, it wasn't so much, you know, just giving a, a little environment or a visual of what be more Baltimore, I should say, was like, you know, recreation. Uh, that's where a lot of things took place. You know, Lafayette playing Madison. Madison is where the dome was. Uh, and that's where a lot of the games took place up at Madison uh, because it was a neutral area where a lot of folks could come and play. And then, you, But you had Bent Low, you had John Eagle you had Cecil Kirk, and of course, Al Center Lafayette, um, Douglas, uh, so many neighborhoods. Uh, but the dome was the that was the mecca of of, uh, of our city. That's where all the games took place. That's where everybody came to watch all the ballers, you know, hoop under the dome, which was in Madison. You know, I'm from Brooklyn, and we have some like pretty crazy stories, like for our um, street ballers. Like, do you have any like crazy stories that happen um, at one of these parks? Well, I mean, it always. Uh, 
things that take place on in the games. I mean, even if it's not you, uh, you know, for me, watching guys like Coach Dwayne Woods, you know, Cole with him and, and, and Kevin Bush went by the name of Duke. Those were the guards that was before me. And they kind of, that's who I kind of emulated, you know, my game behind. And just seeing them, how they just destroyed the city. And every time at the Dome, you know, they always had big games against guys like Eddie Payton, you know, with the guy who one of the guys, Terry Dozier, which was some very talented players in their own right back there. But just saying Cole and Duke do their thing against those guys night in and night out, um, it just gave me that incentive because they were short, especially Cole. Cole was small. Cole was only 5'5". Five, five. You know, that's the tallest he got. And, um, and he was shorter than that when he was pursuing his career. So seeing somebody that I can kind of emulate my game because I couldn't watch no on TV and say, well, you know, when I did watch Tiny Archibald and then I realized she was six one, I like was that's a little different for me. He ain't so tiny after all. Uh so but Dwayne Wood, the guy in my neighborhood, he was the guy that I looked up to. So he was, I mean, I saw him put up fifty. I mean, he gave them guys fifty being that small and 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 having seven seven steals and you know, 10 dimes. I mean, he was that guy. You know, I always thought that he would be the guy that made it to the NBA before I did. Uh, if he would have made that right decision going to Georgia to play with Dominique Wilkins as opposed to going down to Virginia State to play with his boy uh, Duke. All right, so, like, in Baltimore, they have, like, the east side versus the west side basketball game. Like, <clears throat> for those of us who don't know, like, can you tell us, like, why that game is so important amongst the locals? Well, that's a, a bragging rights. You know, that's all it comes down to is bragging rights. You know, east is the west. Or, and for us, it mainly it was, it was projects against projects, neighborhood against neighborhood. And Lafayette was always at the top of it, especially during my time. And, uh, you know, because we had some talented players. You know, me and Reggie Williams, who was fortunate enough to make it to the NBA, you know, he went him was like Mutt and Jeff. Uh, we grew up together. Uh, we played on every team that was formalized as kids. And then we had some talented players that played with us. Mike Brown went to Syracuse and guys like that. All those guys was young when we was coming up playing in the neighborhood. You know, the first time I heard of that game was like on the wire. And it wasn't until, until I did my own research. And and that's when I realized like it was a real game what, with a real story behind it. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, like I said, it's, it's all bragging rights and then, once we from from Baltimore, you know, you got to go to that D.C. Baltimore battle, you know. So it was a lot of things that came along with just being in the D.C. and being, I mean, being in that Baltimore and that metropolitan area. Um, but you know, Baltimore man was that's what made me, you know, you know, getting shot at the age of five and you know, understanding that where where we lived and with the atmosphere that we came from, you you know, you got to be cautious, but at the same time. We had big dreams, you know. My dream was bigger than anybody, and I believed in it, and uh, it was something that I always wanted to pursue. Did you ever come down to um, to NY and play while you was oh, um, oh, coming yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, we came to NY and played. Of course, uh, we played uh, against some NY teams as well, you know, played against uh, Kenny Hutchinson and them um, back in the day. Uh, and actually – they gave us the better game than anybody in the country have that gave us because uh, we were blowing everybody out. We beat everybody by double figures. And that game, uh, Al Reggie Williams fouled out. And 
believe it or not, Reggie Lewis, the late Reggie Lewis, may rest in peace. He came in and he was out six man, and Reg had a heck of a game that game that would, was able to help us, you know, solidify our undefeated uh, ranking, our undefeated record as well, and uh, by beating Kenny Hutchinson and them guys down in um, in that tournament. So, uh, and then coming up there playing against you, I don't know if you might uh, how old you are, but had you guys had a guy by the name of Sky Irving. Little Sky Irving, he was six feet jumped out of the gym and uh we they was we played their team in the championship up there and uh we kind of dismantled them pretty easily but uh he was a, he was somebody reckoned with that always kind of stood out in our we never played against uh kenny smith and them in in high school uh kenny and them or, or david uh remember david rivers you know david rivers yeah his name sound familiar mm-hmm. little david rivers back time, in the day though. Um, and of course, I played against all those guys up in uh, up in five stars, the Pearl Washingtons, the late Pearl Washingtons, and all those guys. You know, how do you feel about people wearing the five star basketball shirts? Like people who like kind of didn't earn it; they're just buying it. Because I know back then, to get one of them shirts, you really had to go to the camp and put in work. But now you could, but now you can just buy one. You, you you hit it right on head. You hit it right on the head. You definitely had to earn that shirt uh, because you had to be invited. You can't just sign up for like camps where you see today where, okay, this is an elite camp over here. I'm going to sign up and try to just pay some money to go in that. No, you had to be invited to that camp. And by being invited, you had to have a skill. You had to have some kind of skills that you'd be recognized all over the country because that's where a lot of guys came you know, and where they got their recognition from five star, you know, Garfinkel was the master of it. Uh, and, you know, you go up there, you, you have four weeks of uh, five star, but the main one was August, the Holmesdale camp, the where all the top guys uh, get to get invited back. And that's where everybody get to showcase their talent. You know, but, I, you know, I still can see Garf smoking that cigarette. <laughs> that was him, but and shaking them fingers, shaking them <laughs> fingers, smoking that cigarette, shaking them fingers. Right. So, can you tell us what was it like playing at at Dunbar High School? Because like the team you played on was like one of the best teams, not only in Baltimore but like in America. Yeah, we was undefeated, man. We was fifty nine and zero my years there. Um, Two years that I was there, my junior senior year, we was undefeated. We was ranked number one in the country. Um, and like I said, we 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 had some talented players. Not only just not only just on the starting five, but guys that was coming off the bench. You know, else guys that was coming off the bench, they could have started on any uh, anybody's uh, high school team. I mean, they could have been. We always considered them the number two team in the country because that we had to go against them every day in practice. And we used to battle, um, you know, and it was some guys of likings of, as I mentioned, the uh, Reggie Laws, the late Reggie Laws, who got drafted uh, with the uh, Boston Celtics. Uh, guys like Daryl Woods, who went to Virginia State. Keith James, who went to UNLV, wound up going to uh, South Carolina. Uh, we had so many guys. Herman Haree went to Syracuse. Uh, just keep on Gary Graham. You know, he went to UNLV, but Gary was a starter, and and uh, so I kind of misled that one. But we, those were the guys. We had guys coming off the bench, and I could just keep going on, man. But that's how tough it was playing with Dumbo. And they always said that you know it was one of the greatest teams that's ever been assembled. You know, we got 
on ESPN, the Baltimore Boys mm-hmm. documentary that's been made up. So it was pretty fun playing with those guys. So you guys made Super Teams cool before Super Teams was a thing. Yeah, man, you had to earn that thing getting across half court. Uh, you know, like that was excitement for us. Um, up tempo, and I, they always called me that one man fast, that one man press. Uh, but you know, that was me. Your guard, you had to earn that right. You know, it was ten seconds. You know, I'm gonna make you get that thing. And then the guys that we had, once I turn you, you know, guys was right there to kind of keep that defensive presence. And that's the way we played. You know, we had those type of talent where. Um, we jumped you, we got easy baskets, and then if we had to set up half court, we can run with you then. Um, you know, I remember playing against Camden, Camden, New Jersey. The, the, the guy at the time was supposed to be the number one player in the country, Billy Thompson. And then they had a guard, Kevin Wall. Um, and Reggie Wales was the number two player in the country. And here it is, we going to the game, we all driving up in that bus, got a whole busload of folks from BMO, about three, four busloads coming up to the game in Camden, New Jersey. And as we approached the the, the gym, the high school gym, we see a limo come up. Like, oh man, we got they got recruits coming in limos and we we we're gonna be coaches gonna be checking us out. Uh, we we can, and then all of a sudden we see big long legs get out and it was Billy Thompson. One of the players came to the game in his limo, his tuxedo on him. We're like, oh, snap, this is how you coming to the game? So we couldn't wait to get in there. Of course, you know, the crowd was all heckling, especially for me. They sent a little guy out there. Everybody else, tall little guy out there laying up, playing. They like, look at that little midget laughing at him. And and then the guard, Kevin Wallace, he kind of fed off the crowd and pointed down to my head like it was going to be an easy day with him, uh, for him. But as soon as that thing tip off, I mean, Lord, I took it from him three times in a row. We laid it up. Coach had to call time out. Man, we wound up, we had about 31 and a half. We wound up beating about 25. So we became the number one team in the country. And of course, the crowd stood up and gave me a standing ovation after the game because uh, we put on a heck of a uh, performance that day. You know, being that you guys were like undefeated for a few years, like maybe like maybe a year and a half into that winning streak that like people just come for your heads just because you guys were undefeated, ranked number one? Oh, absolutely. We got everybody's best. And then we played all the teams that who supposed to be, you know, the ranked teams. You know, we traveled. We went to Kentucky. We played in the King of Blue Glass. We went to down in uh, Milledgeville, um, uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, playing in town. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we traveled all over, came up to New York, as I say, and played in Elvis tournament. We was the type of high school that where we traveled before the, which you see a lot of prep schools now, teams that do, do that. Uh, we was doing that way back in 80, in the 80s. And um, because that's the type of talent that we had and uh, teams want to see it, especially a lot of uh, coaches that was out there. They wanted to see what the noise was about this Dunbar team. You know, so you went to Maryland. Like, did Coach Wade, like, being at Maryland kind of make that choice easier for you? No, I, I went to Wake Forest. Oh, yeah, w- Wake Forest. That's yeah, what I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, that was a demon deacon. Uh, Coach, you know, even though Maryland was recruiting all of us and uh, we just really had a bad taste in our mouth about Maryland at the time uh, because of one of our former players and Ernie Graham. You know, Ernie Graham was at Maryland and he had a heck of a career at Maryland. And uh, we just felt like he just, for some reason, he didn't get it as rightfully, uh, you know, rightfully, uh, his, right, his rightfully due 
And while he was there, um, felt like coaching, um, saying that the coach staff kind of blackballed him to, to, to take it to the next level. That's what he felt, and that's what I guess the sentiment was around the uh, the, the the school at the time with the guys. So we kind of shied away from Maryland. Um, and myself went to Wake, Reggie went to Georgetown, David Wingate went to Georgetown, and everybody else went elsewhere. Mike Brown went to Syracuse. So, you know, like I said, we all went elsewhere and decided that, uh, you know, Maryland wasn't the place for us. Did you ever entertain Georgetown? Because I think that would have been kind of an interesting fit for you. Yeah, I, I've entered, I entertained it. And, and Coach Thomas wanted me, but he also was up front and said that because at the time they had Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was only a sophomore. And, uh, you know, and they was kind of, you know, committed to Michael. And, and I knew that for me, I wasn't trying to, I know I, I knew I would have, me, I knew I would have beat him out. <clears throat> but at the time, you know, my ego was too big and I didn't feel like I wanted to sit out two years. I had to go try to beat somebody out and all that mess. So I look at a, a different situation and Wake Forest just kind of created a whole new scenario for me. Uh, it was a private university, it was small, uh, it was academically challenged, which I really needed. And, um, but it was also an ACC, you know, big time, big conference. Uh, Mama could just turn on TV. She could watch it every week, and and knowing that you know she can see her baby, so a lot of things that went into that um, decision. And then knowing that I was only going to have to play behind Danny, you know, one year. But for me, I thought I'm still going to be playing my freshman year, so I felt like that was the better situation for me, which it wound up being. You know, looking back, that probably was because when players stay in their hometown, is usually like a big disaster for them. Yeah, yeah. Some guys get caught up staying home and, and, and they can't deal with it, you know. But, you know, for me, you know, I was always was grounded, you know. And I came back home. I got drafted with the Washington Bullets. So I was pretty much playing in my backyard. And uh, and that was kind of challenging. But, you know, that's another thing. But, you know, you just got to understand who you are. And, 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 but it can be, you know, a distraction if you let it be. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, I removed myself from certain situations and, uh, and I knew what was, you know, what was the ultimate goal and what my job was and how to secure that. And I wasn't going to jeopardize that anyway. So, you know, for me, I understood how to separate my friends, which they still is, still are, I should say, you know, from the day, you know, the guys I grew up with from B-more, <laughs> we still the same crew. And, uh, and that's what I love about it because, uh, you know, those are real folks that continue to stay real within themselves, and uh, and I love that. So, like, you went 12th in 87, like, in the same draft class as um Scottie Pippen, Reggie Miller. I think David Robinson was in that class, too. You yeah. know, like how, like, how does it feel to be, like, a part of such a special draft class and to, like, be drafted, like, right up there with them? Like, Well, it was, you know, that was our class. You know, Reg, uh, David... Robinson was the number one player taken. Now, David and I, we just came off of playing the USA games, winning the gold medal, you know, representing our country. And uh, actually, we was the last collegiate team that won the gold medal before they sent the dream team over there uh, after they, they lost in 88, uh, Danny Manny and those guys. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, in that, coming out of that draft, I mean, it, 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 it was a moment. You know, that was the day that the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders, you know, to change the narrative of my family and so forth. And, 
Uh, knowing that you was going, you was invited to the draft. Knowing that it's a possibility you was going to be selected, you know, during that day, and I knew that, but I didn't know what number where, because you um, had few teams that was interested in you: Denver, the New York Knicks, and, and so didn't know where we was going to go. But once I heard my name called, that was the moment, man. And you know, being in that class with you mentioned the Reggie, the Millers, the Scotty Pippen, the David Roberts, but the Kevin Johnson, the Kenny Smiths, the Horace Grant, the Olden Polonies. I mean, I can keep going on and on. You know, how many guys was in that? The Reggie Williams, the Reggie Laws, you know, the late Reggie Laws. So that was a heck of a draft back then, you know, tell us Frank and those guys. So it was a lot of guys that got drafted back in that, in that area who played over 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you get your welcome to the NBA moment? Well, when Buck Williams, I went in and get tried to go up and get a rebound, and Buck Williams was playing with the New Jersey Nets, and uh, and he went and elbowed me right in my eye, and I had to get about nine, ten stitches, and I realized he told me welcome to the NBA. You know, little fella, you know, don't be coming down here in the, in the lane. You know, God stay out there in the on the perimeter. So, um, and I always remember that, you know, so I understand that was my introduction to the league. <laughs> you know, if Buck would have fouled you like that today, he would, um, he would be suspended for like 20 games and like the fine of a lifetime. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah, he definitely would be fined and be suspended. And uh, and a lot of folks have been talking about him, how, how rough and, and it has been like the Ron Artez days, Ron Artez days, metal piece. <laughs> you know, I kind of like it when it's kind of like slow and methodical. There's kind of like a hidden beauty to it if you kind of look at it that way. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. You know, and um, but that's the game, you know, and that's what you love about it, you know, and every era creates his own. And from, you know, back then for us, you know, that's that, that was the more positions, as you say, you know, because you knew where guys had to play six, seven footers. You knew where they was playing. They was playing under the basket. They weren't playing out in the perimeter. You know, it was more or less that type of style. So you play with um, Manute Bowl in D.C. Like, what's your best Manute story that you have? Nudie, Nudie made Nudie rest in peace. Oh, my goodness. How many stories do we have? Uh, we There's too many too many hours in the day. But uh, he, he always liked to tell his, his line story. You know, we're on the airplane talking about how he killed a, a lion with his spears. And, of course, we kind of always kid him on that. But Nudie <laughs> and I was playing one-on-one. And... <laughs> And Moses Malone was egging it up. He was egging it. And, you know, Manute, he liked to shoot. And when he shoot, he put his little shot right by his little ear and got a little shot put shot. And when he went to go shoot it, I blocked the shot. And Lord knows he was so mad. And he chased me around the gym for about 10 minutes. He couldn't catch me. And, and Lord knows uh, Mo had a big, big kick out of that day. Uh, but Manute and I have so many stories, man. We traveled together. Um, because when we was rookies, I was a rookie, you know, before we had our private plane, uh, we had to go through the airport and, uh, you know, we had to fly a commercial. So of course you see this big seven, seven, and here it is, it's five, three, 
<laughs> walking down a, around the turnpike trying to get catch the flight. And then once we get there, and at the time, you know, it was only eight first class seats. And they went by a seniority who got first class seats. And Carlos Manute was a young guy. He was, you know, two years removed from the lead. So he had to sit in the back with me. And Lord knows you can imagine him trying to sit in the seats with the seat, his knees all in his chest. Um, so that was a sight for Newt. Uh, that was, you know, for him to travel that way. But we had so much fun together, man. I miss that guy so much. What was um, what was he like in the club? Have you ever um, went out with him partying? Oh, Newt was a you – no, know, he loved it. He loved it, you know. He, he always thought he could dance. You know, Newt, he, he gets in there, tall, sitting there. But, you know, he stares out. He always stood out. Of course, you know, him and Mo stood out. They was they was big. We had a club called The Classics back in D.C. Monday nights was our spot. Uh, but, uh, you know, big fella, you know, he – he knew how to. He knew how to the groove. He, he knew how to get his groove on. You know, he was a big, big, classy cat. That's what I love about him. You know, have you seen his son play? In- oh, Bobo, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've seen him play. What type of player do you think he'll develop into once he like gets consistent minutes in Denver? He, he's going to be something to be reckoned with because he has a skill set that you know his father wish he had, and but you can see there's a resemblance in terms of. Uh, because Newt might not have been as athletic, but Newt, you know, he can shoot the basketball. You know, for that little slingshot, he can shoot the basketball. Uh, but his, his his son, he's fluent. He can handle the ball. Bo Bo can shoot it. And, I mean, he can put in, he, he post you up. He can go coast to coast. Uh, so as he continue to grow and, and continue to get, you know, confidence in more minutes, uh, you can see the, uh, the, you can see the, the type of skill set that he possesses. And um, and Denver gonna be Denver gonna be something to be reckoned with once he gathered that and with Porter Junior as well. Can you imagine um Bobo playing and like in somebody like Don Nelson's system? I know that's that that's that that will be something special. And I know Don Nelson would love to have somebody like Bobo in his system because he cover all areas, the inside, the outside, and he'd be someone that. You know, he will be so freely being able to uh, get up and down, especially having him playing with like a run TMC doing that that type of uh, situation when those guys was running up and down like that. All right. So like from Washington, you went on to Charlotte. I mean, in those 90s Hornets teams, like those teams were so cold to me. But personally, one of my fondest memories of that team was was those starter jackets. Like I wanted one so bad and I still want one, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, they was they was rocking all over the world. Uh, those starter jackets, they was universal. Um, and, you know, that was a fun team back then, playing with Zoe and, and LJ and Del Curry and Kendall and Hawks and David Wingate and Kenny Gaddis and Earl Curry. I could go on, man. We had so many teammates, Johnny Newman. Um, but it was fun playing with those guys, man. It was just fun because we grew a bond with each other. And, uh, and it's great when you have a group of guys that where you get along, not only on the court, but off the court. And uh, we was young. We were starting to make a lot of noise. And um, but unfortunately, you know, things just, you know, go NBA way where someone get hurt or, you know, someone don't get re-signed and they go elsewhere. And we had all that. So decided to go to Miami and uh, Al hurt his back. And then things just kind of erupted from that. 
you know, looking at Steph Curry as a kid, like since he was around the team at the time, like did you ever think that he will become like the greatest shooter in NBA history? Absolutely not. We never thought about that. You know, Dell and I played 11 years together. You know, Dell and I played nine with Charlotte and two in Toronto. And Steph, you know, Steph like a little nephew to me. And, uh, you know, we been around him for so long and as a kid and um, witnessed, you know, from day one what he developed into. And to see him now, you know, with all the accolades and what he was able to do and accomplish, you know, being drafted and not people really believing that he will be that player. And he, you know, he developed into that player, became that player. No one believed he was going to be that. And, um, you know, I'm just so proud of him, man. And he just, you know, he just, uh, apple that fell off the tree from his dad. I mean, him and Sonny did a great job raising him. And for him to be able to, not only just him, Seth Curry is in Sedell, but, you know, with Steph enabled him to go out and, and, and put his stamp, the Curry stamp, you know, surpassed what his dad was able to do is is remarkable. You know, unanimous MVP, never been, you know, heard of in, 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 in the NBA. So this is something to be, you know, be proud of to be aside. And to see him score 62 the other night was was shocking again. Well, well I mean, it wouldn't mean shocking. It was, was, was nice to see again because so many people start talking about what he ain't, what he couldn't do anymore and this and that, and he had to put them back and let them know who Stephen Curry really is. You know, and once he cut off his braids, that's when he got his his. <laughs> that's the what they say. He, he let it loose. The head was too tight. <laughs> yeah, he, too cool. he was too, playing too cool. He had to let it get a little breathing room. Yeah, but he's been on fire these games. And, uh, I mean, went down – 31 in Detroit, 36 in Chicago, and then followed up with a 62. And they come back with 30 in, in sack. I mean, he's he's feeling it. He, he know what he got to do to keep his team in the, in the hunt. All right, so, like, if you take Steph Steph's Warriors team and, like, MJ's Bulls teams from from the 90s, like, since you've seen um, MJ's Bulls at their height and you've seen um, the Warriors currently now at their height, like, which team do you think, like, made the biggest impact? Well, I'm, biggest impact, They, I mean, because they all had their own impact within the zone because, you know, they're in different areas. So with the Bulls, I mean, that was rock stars. I mean, she had, you know, they, everywhere they traveled, you know, they were out there at their hotel and whatever it was, it was rock star moments, you know. And, like, it was, you know, those, what they call them, those, uh, uh, the fans outside just uh, can't wait to see MJ and Rob and them boys get out the bus and all that mess. So, you know, it was it was, it was everywhere, every city they went. So, and but not on that, the talent that they had, they Horace Grant, Mike Jordan. I mean, who was gonna play MJ? You know, but I'm mean, not so much player. But you said you asked me who had the impact. I think they both have an impact because now with with in this era and today's era with going to state was able to do i mean it's 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 it's, it's, it's mind-boggling you know it's domination you know what they was able to play it was dominance for quite some time and then adding a guy like durant you know that made it even more special but that's the way the nba is you know it's a trend it's up and down you know um now look like you know they got the throne now you know so they did the king of the 
throne. And that's how I go. LeBron, like you said, he said he won his respect back. Yeah. Uh, put some respect on his name. So it's, that's how the game goes in the NBA. And you got to love it, you know, because uh, when those guys, you know, competing and talking and showcasing, that's what you want to see in the NBA night in and night out. You know, you mentioned Rodman earlier. Have you ever partied with him? Because I've seen his um, The Last Dance and then that 48 hours in in Vegas, man. That needed his own episode. Yeah, Rodman, yeah, we partied. We, we went to, you believe it or not, we went to Copenhagen. We, I mean, we was over in Amsterdam together. <laughs> and uh, D-Rob, is a, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a master of, of partying. But I tell you what, he's a great man. Great man, great man. People just don't understand how good a guy that, that he is. And the ones who know him know how good a guy D-Rod is. I mean, he's a, he's a realist. Um, you know, he, he may display certain things out there, but hey, that's, that's in his own right. But inside, he's a good man, good good guy that really um, that anybody would want to get to know. We need to hear more about you and Dennis up in Amsterdam. Oh no! It was not just me, me, him, Tim Hardaway. We was up there on the little uh, tour. Uh, we took the uh, we took the street ballers. We took it was myself, Dennis, Tim Hardaway, Dale Ellis, Tracy Murray, and then we had Hot Sauce. Remember Hot Sauce? Oh, yep, the street and baller. The yeah, street ballers. You know, number seven twenty, seven twenty, Alabama, and all those guys. We was out there and uh, we went to Germany. We were just out there uh, doing the little uh, uh, touring game. And actually, Dennis, he wasn't he, – he was with us, but he wasn't with us in there. He wasn't with the crew. We all broke off, so I can't tell you what he decided his crew did. But we had a blast in Amsterdam, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> the real life district. Well, that stuff is is almost becoming legal here. Not all of it, but – you know, so. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and that's the way the world's come to, man. It's, it's 2021, it's, you know. Yeah, some of it is becoming accepted. I think that's the better term. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, do you have any, like, upcoming projects that you're working on? Uh, Upcoming projects, you know, I'm doing my podcast. You know, we got the the three OGs, you know, myself and Oakley and Earl Curtin, and we got a podcast. And I'm doing a podcast as well with um, the Hornets and working on that every week we do that, um, follow them um, during the season. Um, also, my nonprofit organization, the Muggsy Bowles Family Foundation, you know, you can always go there, the Muggsy Bowles Family, family the Muggsy Bowles Family Foundation.org and check out all the things that we be doing. And uh, we have scholarship program, you know, we feed the homeless as well, less fortunate, I should say. Um, try to do things like that. We got 30 30 program that's going on and we're gonna feed 30 families, uh, females uh, uh, a week. And um, we, uh, we're halfway there right now. So we're still looking for donation. If anybody wanna go to the Muggsy Bogues family.org website and look up that. So. Right there, other than that, big fella, man, we're just trying to maintain, you know, get through with all this craziness with this pandemic and hopefully that everybody get vaccinated and uh, we can get back to, you know, conjugating again. You know, I think with the vaccination, people are just scared because, you know, as African-Americans, like, 
we don't know what they're going to be injecting into our bodies, just like the Tuskegee Airmen. And, like, if we do get the vaccination, like, now, early, you know, we might turn into, like, one of the monsters from Space Jam. <laughs> well, I, let's, let's, let's hope that's not the case. That's truly hope that's not the case because uh, we need to get back to normalcy as quickly as we possibly can. And hopefully that, you know, trusting these scientists that they did the job and that, you know, because, you know, we know that our community has been hit the most the most effective and we got people that's constantly just dropping still and we got to make sure that they be have access to, you know, maintaining their life. You know, we had guys and, you know, that's close to us that, you know, that's in the NBA that lost, not only just they lost their mom, they lost a lot of their loved ones, you know, family members. And, you know, we, our heart goes out to them. It goes out to everybody who lost, you know, their loved ones during this, you know, to this crisis and this, it's just devastating, you know, so hopefully that, you know, everybody can really follow the signs and believe that, you know, we're all in this together, man. Do your homework and, and make sure that you stay safe. You know, before I let you go, I have to ask you, what do you think about the um, upcoming Space Jam with LeBron? And his well, it, it, I mean, it, I mean, I, it was kind of curious to, to, to kind of find out Space Jam, what were they going to do, how they was going to come up with a scenario, you know, we we saved the planet, so I don't know. I guess they're gonna save the universe. So, but it's good, man. LeBron doing good things out here in the world, man. So I'm proud of him. Whatever projects that he's involved in, and with Space Jam, they came up with the Space Jam too. Hopefully, they can, you know, come up with it and it, with something where it can be iconic, like ours turned out to be, and uh, and it could be something that you know the people and the fans and the kids, the, everybody like, you know, everybody enjoy. Watching, so um, I'm. I mean, I'm gonna be looking forward to see, you know, what they put together. I'll be looking. I'll be on the lookout as well. You know, I was watching Space Jam maybe like last year, sometime around this time, and you know how in the beginning they play um R. Kelly, I believe I can fly, yeah. like they edited it out, and like that just just killed it for me because that made the whole movie. It, it, it did, man. I hate to see you know R. Go through what he's going through and, um, but, and, you know, how the climate is with today, you know, when things, uh, and people have negativity behind their name, you know, no one want to associate with it. So, mm-hmm. uh, that was a, that was a, that was a dope song, dope, uh, soundtrack, uh, for that movie. And you hit it on the nail. It, it kind of solidified. It really kind of put that movie, you know, it started off. You know, I believe I can fly. I mean, people believe in that scenario and those theme songs. So, you know, just sad to hear that. But, you know, we got to move on. Hey, man, if you still have your sneakers from Space Jam, you know, just I'll give you a price. Let me know. If I still have my what? If you still have your sneakers. <laughs> no, nah, them sneakers gone, man. They they gone. The Space Jam sneakers gone. I know. I wish I would have held them. I believe it or not, I gave I gave them things away years ago. And uh, but that was something I would have held on to. Uh, but that again, the Space Jam moments that was iconic. Well, all right, man. I um I want to thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Appreciate Keep doing what you're doing and uh, prosperous in 2021, my brother. All right. Thank you. All right.